Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's happening, people? It's all Black Academic in the building with me, Jordan Jarrett, Brian, your host. Now, on the show this week, we're going to have a discussion around colorism, but focusing specifically or more, more specifically on colorism within the black community. So we may well touch on colorism from outsiders towards black people, but we're going to focus this week more so on how colorism within the black community is prevalent and how, how prevalent it is also within black families as well. I'm looking forward to this, this show and I've got some great guests on the show with me today. I'm joined first of all by Antoinette Landor, who is an academic on colorism based out of the University of Missouri. I've also got Jeff Jay, host of YouTube show Pass the Message. I'm also joined by the host of Dope Black Women's Podcast, Dr. Leanne Levers. And finally, but not least at all, I've got Tina Charisma here who's written about the subject of colorism within the black community. Guys, how are we doing? Are we all nice? Are we all happy? Are we all good? Yeah, good, good. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. good. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me. I'm jealous of um, Leanne because she's recently moved back to Jamaica um, and escaped um, <laughs> here, here in London, UK, and she's getting some good weather and some good food. But anyway, um, so I, I think for those that are watching the show, guys, most people, I think, have an idea of what colorism is. But for those that are watching that don't quite know what colorism is, um, I'm going to come to you, um, Antoinette, first of all, the academic here, to just kind of lay down first and foremost, what is colorism for just those people that don't, don't know what it is? Yeah, so in its basic sense, it is skin tone bias. And so the way we define it is um, discrimination, preferential treatment based on the skin tone of an individual. So if you think of, um, I always like to give good examples. Um, so LeBron James, who would be considered dark skinned basketball player in the States versus Steph Curry, who is a basketball player as well. And so it um, preferential treatment discrimination based on how light or how dark you are. Okay. Um, the first time I heard about this phrase, Jeff, colorism, was I was watching some American YouTube shows and it, it came up. This was a few years ago now. And it seems to be an issue that is slightly bigger there in the States amongst the African-American community than maybe it is here in the UK. In, in your experience, mm. how prevalent, first of all, is colorism? You're from New York. And also, how dangerous is, is colorism? Well, in terms of it being prevalent, I think it's, it's embedded in a lot of us based off of transatlantic slave trade and all of the things that's been happening, occurring to us ever since we were brought here 
involuntarily to this country to build it up. Uh, in terms of how destructive it is, it's just another agent to divide our people and to have us bickering amongst each other really off of a superficial characteristic. I saw Bill Nye, a famous uh, scientist and personality here in the, in the States talking about uh, where skin tone comes from and breaking it down scientifically and just saying how it's it's stupid that we all discriminate against each other or there is discrimination based off of a physical characteristic. And I think it is it is very destructive because it hinders us from progress. It separates us. It's something that's deep rooted all the way back from like slavery when you had house versus field. And just another way that divides us that I feel is like really embedded, deep rooted in, in our fibers from centuries of oppression. And now as we become more enlightened, as we, we learn more, as we try to try to get over everything that's been going on, it's just another way that oppresses us, really. Does anybody else want to add to, to that point about how, how destructive and dangerous colorism you know, can be and indeed is? So I've recently written about the issue of colorism in a recent article for the Half Post. Uh, I've personally and firsthand experienced colorism as a young girl. And uh, from hindsight, I reflected on just the, the psychological impact of it, because a lot of the time we can view it as a very distant issue where we have two people from different, um, well, who have different shades just bickering within one another. but. Uh, as someone who experienced it as a young girl, I, I, I definitely felt the psychological impacts of it. It has a psychological impact where your ideals of beauty are determined by what someone else thinks and just by the media and a lot of things around you and goes on to impact your sense of confidence and sense of just, um, yeah, beauty in general. And just going back off the back of what Jeff said as well, um, I've just seen shifts in that over the years, which I think it's great, which I, again, I highlighted in that half post piece of people becoming more adopting of um, different shades and celebrating that. So we've moved on from that, but uh, I think more so just looking at the ingrained impact of how our society came to view these ideals as what it is and how we kind of uh, perpetrate that and still live by that is something that um, I, I felt on deeper levels on different sides. Leanne, do you agree? Do, 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 is that, do you have a personal experience of, of colorism as, as, as a black woman? Definitely. I mean, I think, um, I think it's going off of what you just said. It, I think it's important to note that colorism has a real tangible and detrimental impact on black women in particular. Um, we know that they are less likely, the darker you are, is the less likely you are to earn as much as your lighter skin counterparts. You're more likely to be punished harshly, more harshly in schools. And as um, Dr. Landau pointed out, you're more likely as a lighter skin person to enjoy a better mental health as a result of all of those issues. Um, and within the context of sexual violence, I think we can definitely talk about the fact that darker skinned black women are less likely to be believed or more likely to have their victimization justified, particularly when we talk about the adultification of young girls that often is very much seen or applied to darker skinned uh, women. And just from a personal perspective, um, you know, I growing up as a darker skinned mixed person in Jamaica, I think there was a constant battling of me 
of myself and who I interacted with to make sure that I was uh, appreciated for my blackness, but not exoticized or fetishized because of my non-black side. My mother is half Sri Lankan. And so I think there was this constant battle where I was being minimized or being object, uh, not objectified, but ostracized because I was so dark, but simultaneously held above other black women because I was uh, mixed. And so I'm constantly, it's something as a black woman that I'm constantly aware of um, to argue against and to point out where possible. I just want to pick up, I'm going to move to Antoinette, but I'm really interested in uh, Antoinette, what Leanne just said there about darker skinned women being less likely to be believed in terms of uh, being, being, you know, sexual violence. Is that something that you that you understand to be true as well? And if so, why? Yeah, so the thing with colorism is, and um, one of the things that I wanted to point out a little earlier is that colorism happens on an individual level, but also on an institutional level, institutional colorism. Um, so when we think about healthcare systems, police, um, even educational systems, so too colorism exists. Um, so it's not just about um, someone displaying colorism to another peer or to a sister or a sibling or um, anything like that. It's also um, those institutional um, connections to colorism. So that means that when um, someone who is African-American and are black and are darker skin comes to a police station and are even in a hospital setting um, to say that they are experiencing pain of any kind, even for instance, in a hospital, um, nurses, doctors, practitioners are less likely to those darker skinned individuals um, and oftentimes think that they feel pain um, more so than their lighter skinned peers. And so across different contexts, um, we see that um, darker skinned individuals experience not only this ideal of um, folks not believing them, but um, also that their experiences um, are oftentimes um, deleterious and has really negative consequences. Does anybody feel that we've been conditioned to beauty ideals as well? Oh, 100%. Well, certainly. I think all throughout our socialization process, we always have images that have been fed to us and um, as I was saying briefly before, it's just how these things are so subtle and, and that's the danger of it. Um, as Antoinette said, you can have it maybe on a grand scale or even personal level, but even the kind of micro levels where they're just so subtle, where you don't really pick up on it and it just subtly kind of strains into just the, the, the images that we're watching daily or that we're feeding uh, young people or just uh, just proliferating in every area of our lives. It's just um, that um, inherent thing that we have in us, I think, as well that we don't really check or don't force ourselves to check sometimes. Yeah, for, for so long, uh, colorism has been the dirty little secret in the black community. And I think if we think about those assaults, um, what I call those visual assaults. So it's not just that uh, dark skinned women, black women are not in magazines. It's the actual absence of those dark skinned black women. That is an assault on us, right? That is colorism. Um, happening and sometimes we don't even recognize it. And it's happening in day-to-day -day media, um, as you see on television and magazines. Um, it's happening all around us. 
So let, let me ask you, Jeff. I mean, that, that's I think we've had some answers there that explain and outline color, how colorism affects black people institutionally. So kind of externally, I want to bring it now to colorism internally within our own communities and in terms of our families. So I, I tried to get on this on this meeting here a couple of my dark skinned male friends who to talk about their experiences of um, when they introduced their partners to their families for the first time their partners were both uh, lighter skinned women. And they both said to me, I'm telling me the story about how there was a tension from the family about the fact that they were introducing their family to partners who were, who were not dark skinned like I am and like they are. Is that mm. something that you, that you recognize? And how problematic is it if we as black people are now judging each other on the, the, the tone of our skin? Well, it's... <laughs> So it's funny that you say that because I would almost think the way it works that it would be the opposite, where if you brought somebody who was lighter home, that they may be more accepted. So to hear that that dynamic and not it'd be problematic on the other end, that's something that's kind of like a, a shock to me. I will say that um, when when you when you discuss and you and you talk about that intra-family tension when it comes to having like let's say you you're you're in a family like myself um my both my sisters my mother my mother's your complexion and both my sisters are are her complexion i'm the lightest one <laughs> i'm the lightest one of, of the of the children right so even growing up there was i could tell that there was there was always tension i mean you know even um down to jokes and stuff like that, where we will joke and joke all the time, light, light skin jokes, dark skin jokes, but there's a insidious harm that's being inflicted because even though we may be joking, there may be stereotypes that are based on, on things that we think are fact. So even- So, so, give, even me, so give me an example of a joke. Oh, <laughs> so, the, here it'll be like, why you acting light skin? Why you acting? Why why you acting light skin like that? So that would be you're you're being bougie. You're being stuck up. You're being difficult. Like in terms of like really being acting as if you're like a snob type situation. And even for the men, for for light skin men, it could be a joke of, well, you know, like no light skin dude is trying to get into a fight because it, it, it's it's almost like the uh the perception is that we're soft. We're weak, you know, at the same time, I also recognize the perceptions where when when people had like, quote unquote, ugly jokes, it would be towards the darker skinned people. So it, it's that type of nasty exchange back and forth that can go on where depending on your friend groups and stuff like that, we, you could be desensitized to it. But from the outside looking in, somebody would say, you know, that's pretty that's pretty messed up the way you're going back and forth with each other. And to everybody else, how damaging are those sorts of inverted commas jokes and comments, and and the, how how dangerous that mentality of thinking about people of a certain skin tone in those kind of negative lights? I just wanted to comment on the scenario that you gave um, Jeff just a while ago to say that I think within the context of dating and this kind of hesitation that we see sometimes, I wouldn't say all the time, where you're bringing someone lighter skin into your family. And I, I think this is particularly around black men bringing lighter skin women into the home, is that that 
sentiment, albeit um, one that should not be generalized, does come from a very valid place. And within the context mm -hmm. of dating, we do see that darker skinned black men often see dating lighter skinned women as a proximity to whiteness. Um, we see that African-American, in particular, a lot of the research that's been done, as I'm sure Dr. Lando can refer to, is done in the States. Um, and we see, particularly in the United States, the proliferation of more lighter, of lighter skinned women getting married uh, relative to their darker skinned counterparts. We see that black women often think that, I think there was a study done that said that darker skinned black women found that if they were through online dating perceived to be three shades lighter that they would that they thought that black men would find them more attractive. And so while I don't believe in generalization, I do understand that that hesitation or that reticence to accept someone has to be questioned or filtered through the lens of, well, why are you bringing, why are you dating her? Is this a mm. proximity to whiteness? Is this because you've genuinely found somebody that you care about? Or is this uh, an extension of what we see in the house field versus uh, house slave versus field slave scenario. And, and I'm, I'm just interested to hear from all of you guys about just on that point, we've kind of gone from a, a stage where many parts of the black community have problems with black people dating outside of the black community. But now we're having problems with black people dating black people, but just because they're not dark skinned or darker than me, that now is the new problem. And I, I find that very, very sad. Has anybody had any experiences of um, dating somebody who wasn't the same skin tone as them and feeling attention from not only society, but within their own families and friendship circles? Yes, so even for, my, um, so even for myself, um, as a light-skinned um, Black girl growing up, um, who definitely recognizes the privileges that I have and that I've had, um, which is in part the reason why this is my life work is to have these conversations. Um, but so even for me, right, the conversations with family and extended family and people in the community um, has always been around, you shouldn't date a lighter skinned guy. Why does your have clear baby, right? And so you need to dark, date a darker skinned guy so it can kind of even out the color of the babies. And so all of those kind of things, right? You can imagine all of the conversations when you are deciding on who to date, who to have sex with, which is a lot of my work, um, how families talk to um, their kids about who you should be dating um, and not just the dating aspect, but who should have kids with. Um, I think that is one of the things that the black community hasn't been talking about but it happens a lot in families and even in my work, um, families talk about these conversations, they'll talk about these conversations that their families had with them in that if they're darker skinned, maybe you should date a lighter skinned person. If you're lighter skinned, uh, maybe you should go with a darker skinned person, not too black, but somewhere in the middle. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we kind of think about it when I, in my research, when people talk about these conversations, it is the fact that we're talking about it where they're like, wow, I can't believe how many times those conversations happened growing, growing up and how I've made choices and judgments based off of that. And I think that's the consequence of it, um, that oftentimes we think that it's just the one time or in families we make jokes, but those jokes have detrimental consequences, um, even when it comes to people's attitudes around marriage. So darker skinned women are less likely to believe that they will actually be married. And in part because of 
this colorism um, that is happening and that guys are less likely to be attracted to them. And dark-skinned women see that, believe that, and as a result, have less attitudes, um, less positive attitudes about marriage. Uh, I was just thinking of, of back to, I think what Jeff was saying in terms of like just the jokes and stuff from when you're young. It's like, how do you, where do you get that from? You know, it's like as a kid, like where do these ideas come from in the first place in order for it to manifest into jokes? And um, I think it's just the substance and the depth of those jokes and the uh, just how much it actually sinks in. Because I know for sure that I've been in the middle of some of these jokes where it's just like, ah, it's funny, but it's like, ouch, that hurt. And that's actually painful because you then go out and it's kind of true, you know? So it's like, it's, it's no longer funny, but it's kind of true. And that is what happens. And that's what some people genuinely think. So then it's just like, it stops being funny because that is what a lot of people um, think. and um, back to the issue of marriage and relationships and there, there are even ideas that sink into that because if you have kids believing in certain things you're creating adults who then have certain patterns of ideas and, and and thoughts of what beauty is and who is attractive and and i have definitely seen lots of videos where they've asked young black boys oh so who would you date a black a, 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 a dark-skinned girl or a light-skinned girl and they'll be like no 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 like I'm all for light skin, you know? And these are young boys. These are young boys that are, are just pretty much still young, don't, don't, don't have a clue about a lot of things in life, but already for them, they've just um, manifested an appetite that this is what is deemed as beautiful. And then they grow up to, 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 be, to be men who are then still holding these values and, and, and creating the cycle as, it, as, you, as you have it. Uh, so, I'm just very like concerned in terms of just the, the the root of it, how it just kind of plays on as a cycle over generations and feeds through um, our adulting process as well. Yeah, real quick, I'll, I'll say first off, kids never cease to amaze me with the type of jokes and nasty things that they say. Kids are assholes. I don't know where it comes from, but they find a way. They find a way and it's just like, if you get through high school and college and all of that, or even middle school out here, and you have to be loaded with all the ammunition in terms of, of jokes and all of that, just to be on your own even footing. So just, just, that was just funny. Just thinking about that when you say where it comes from, I'm like, I don't know, but they, it's like, they, it's like they're all comedians and stand up comedians and they just go off. But I can tell you from, from um, you talk about personal experiences. I remember. Um, one of my, one of my friends, one of my good friends, she's, she's dark skin. Right. And at the time I was dating somebody, her complexion. And she, I remember she would ask me, I'd see her on the train going home and she'd ask me, you know, what's going on? How, how are you two doing? Whatever. And I, you know, we're all right. Like the real small talk. And I remember one time she looked at me and she was like, you know, I'm so happy you two are together. I'm going to look at her like, well, you don't really know her. You know me, but you don't know her like that. Like, well, why are you so happy? And she was just like, you know, it's not common for someone like you to be dating a darker skinned woman. And I'm kind of, you know, I, it took me aback for a second because I was like, really? And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, I get what you're saying. And then I'm, and then I'm, I sit back and I think, wow, 
this is really deep where it's it's almost refreshing to see that. So even on the other side of the uh, if you're if you're two light people and you get together, you don't want to have clear babies thing. It's almost it almost was like a, um, it was. Yeah, like it was refreshing for her to see that. And it almost felt as if those stereotypes were being shattered because she knew people in real life who didn't subscribe to those type of colorist standards where you feel like the, the, the closer you are to white, the more status or clout or whatever that you get or however um, some, some men think uh, in those situations. So that just kind of, you know, cause we I have these conversations with your friends all the time and talk about, you know, who you date, what you, what, what do you think, how, how dating is and who dates who. But for me to see that, it kind of, mm-hmm. it, 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 it really affected me because I didn't, you know, but then when, when it comes from that angle, it's jarring, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I feel so like I- we're like all a product of our environment and you know, what you're saying sounds so kind of, um, I don't know what to, to, how to put it, like empowering in the sense of like, it takes, there's a lot of things that people break out of, like molds and constructs in society that people intentionally uh, break out of. And, and you could be like an example of that. But the truth be told is that a lot of people generally um, are still under the kind of mirage or whatever you want to call it, blindfold. And sometimes it isn't their fault. Sometimes it's just a fact of these are the things that they've been programmed to 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 see. And unfortunately, that's just how it is. And I think your friend may have felt like that because it was just like something that was like, wow, like she may have even felt a connection uh, to them. Because, again, that's all part of the connection that we have as social beings. You know, we're connected mm-hmm. to things that resonate with us and connected to things that, you know, make us somehow feel great and and, and, and empowered in a sense. And um, I think it, it, it's good on people who actually educate themselves, but colorism can be situ- like situated in the spectrum to a lot of other social issues when it comes to even multicultural relationships as well. Just having a conversation about this just the other day with a friend about how um, in the UK and Britain, it's just rare. I think he was saying something about like 17%. Of, of, of people who actually will settle into like multicultural um, relationships and marriages, et cetera. But I, I think that is, again, at the backdrop of the fact that sometimes what you don't know, you're scared of. And we tend to just stay in our bubble and stay in what is comfortable uh, to us and in the programs that we have been fed as a child or as young people. Um, so that's just an unfortunate thing as well, but power to that as well, I guess, <laughs> what you were saying in terms of just people who've been able to kind of break uh, out the mold, yeah. So, guys, when, when I was at school, as in secondary school um, here in the UK, that's one level after primary school. So, I'm, I'm not sure the equation for America. You guys, high school, then anyway. So, your like secondary school is like it's, it's like our fourth to six, I think, because okay, university between, between eleven and sixteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe. Okay, right. So, like, so the when secondary. I, when I was, Eleven like to sixteen. Secondary... <laughs> Sorry, again. This has gone left. No, no, I love because I always get confused on this. So after secondary, you go to college. Yes, and then university. So then that's high school for us. That might be like okay. junior high and high school. So when I was at secondary high school for you guys, I a lot of my guy friends 
it became very, this was the time when Beyonce first came on the scene and she first came out, well, sorry, Destiny's Child first came out. And I was always drawn towards Kelly Rowland. Kelly was always mine. She's still like the one of the four of them when they first started, Latoya, Beyonce, Kelly, and somebody else. Kelly was my one. I just, I just thought she was hot. Not because she was darker skinned. I just thought, she, and I still think she's the hottest woman on the planet. But all of my friends migrated toward Beyonce. I knew for a fact it was because she was lighter skinned. Now, at the time, I didn't kind of deep in and think about it. But in later life, it kind of became apparent that that was the reason. Do you, I, I don't have an issue with people having preferences. I think that's just the way we're, we're built. I don't have a problem that some people do. I don't. Does anybody on this call here have um, ever had a preference towards a darker skinned or lighter skinned uh, partner? And as a follow up to that question, has anybody also had any issues in bringing home a partner who they knew full well their family and friends would find problematic because of that reason? Yeah. Um, so I think just to answer that question, it's interesting because it connects to the point that was being made before is that historically I have always dated darker skinned men. Um, and I don't know that that was intentional, but it was definitely always consistently a problem within my family. And it's interesting because I, my dad is a very dark skinned black man. Um, and my mom is Sri Lankan, who didn't really understand the issue of colorism until it became a point of discussion in our family. But almost every single partner that I've had who has been dark skinned has not been accepted by my family. Um, and I don't know that it's necessarily that they would that they wanted someone to be darker skin, to, to be lighter skin. But I think it does feed into what Jeff was saying earlier about, you know, if you date darker skinned men, maybe they're less perceived to be attractive. And then as a result, you won't have more attractive children um, or what is perceived to be more attractive children in consistent with what you know the status quo has told us. Um, and so I think, yeah, I've definitely been in that situation where dating darker skin has been a problem. And I think just to touch on your point about preference, I think there is something antithetical to having a preference that is not within yourself or does not come from within. So I think to say that you have, as a dark-skinned black man, to say that you have a preference, some innate, inexplicable preference for something that is uh, for a, a white woman or for an Asian woman is not just something that is innate or can be explained by um, some random preference. I do think that there is something- Wait, Where does that come from, Leanne? Um, I mean, I, again, I think it comes from the stereotypes around black women. I think many, in my experience, and I'm I'm coming from a post-colonial background, I think many black men, um, and I won't speak about white men or Asian men, um, but I think many black men are quite happy to sleep with dark-skinned black women, but not necessarily marry them. And it is within a post-colonial setting often seen as uh, raising your station to date someone who is lighter skinned. Um, so I think that's part of where it comes from, at least. But I think there is this idea that you can pass away your colorism as a preference, and I don't stand by that. It doesn't mean that you can't date someone who is light-skinned and genuinely um, love them for who they are. But I think when there is a consistent history of only dating one type of person and that person being outside of your uh, race or even outside of your skin tone is up for question. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Yeah, so I see the preference conversation a lot um, in my research. And I think the, the distinction is that a preference could be, for instance, I prefer someone tall because I am tall. However, um, when it comes to skin tone, um, if you have a preference for one skin tone, um, a preference is a preference when it's not discriminatory against another skin tone, right? And so you may prefer to date darker skinned women, um, but that doesn't mean you don't date all the other variations of women, right? And I think um, that's kind of the distinction. Now, when it is, I have this preference, but my preference means that I only date um, dark-skinned women, light-skinned women, then that can be called into question because then your preferences, that means that you're actually discriminating against um, and not even given an opportunity to the variations of women um, that you could date if it's a black male. And you wrote a, a piece, a paper, sorry, Antoinette, on um, colorism and trauma. Talk to us a little bit about, about that and, and what you kind of found from those findings. Yeah, so, and you can really see it just in our conversation today. Um, so it's something that I call a skin tone trauma. And so a lot of you have probably heard of racial trauma, and there's been a lot of conversation, at least in the last three months, about racial trauma and what that means for our Black folks. Um, and I argue that we should all about um, skin tone trauma, because everywhere I go all over the world to give presentations, or even in my classroom, when I talk about skin tone, I have people who come up to me and really talk about their um, experiences growing up, their experiences in relationships, um, the emotional tie that they have to all of those experiences. And I think that has meaning even beyond race, right? So even beyond the fact that I'm black, um, what I've experienced as a black woman, even a lighter skinned black woman um, throughout my life, whether it's privilege and are being questioned in terms of the city of my blackness, um, that all of those things coupled together can result in traumatic experiences. Um, and as a result of those traumatic experiences, that impacts our health as well as our interpersonal relationships. So as we were just talking about, that impacts um, how we interact with our peer groups. 
that um, black women and women of color, oftentimes within their peer groups, there's conflict around skin tone, right? That the lighter skinned friend gets the guy, um, or even in our family relationships, there's sibling uh, rivalry that happens um, among siblings based on skin tone. And so this trauma is one of the things that I'm arguing that therapists, clinicians, researchers, um, just the general community um, should begin to use this language and name it as it is, because it is um, traumatic experiences that Black folks are experiencing throughout their lives um, that has, up until this point, been nameless. Yeah, I was going to add that I think as much as we want to talk about preferences, if people have preferences, they have it. And that's just one thing I'm very uh, conscious about when um, I'm trying to engage in conversation in a sense of a lot of people will try and appear as if like, oh, I don't have preference and I'm all for dark skinned women, but you don't like, don't lie about it. And uh, I've never really been a fan of like shaming people to, um, Kind of side with something that they don't and it goes back to what i was saying before and the fact that some people generally have um, been conditioned a certain way and i feel that maybe creating this kind of uh shame culture to try and um, and put um certain men to feel more attracted to certain women it doesn't help because then it really impacts the the quality of the relationships that we're promoting um, and I, I think I'm very um, conscious about that. There's a lot of people who try, especially here in the UK, I feel um, there, there is this culture of trying to appear um, outwardly open-minded and outwardly woke, but just generally internally, uh, when you actually interact with people on a personal level, you realize that no, like you, you're really, you're actually, there's a lot of like surface level. And um, personally for me, I've, I've grown up in a very in, international community where I've lived in different places and um, interacted with different people. I've been very open-minded in, in terms of like relationships over the years. Um, but at the same time, I feel that that, that is a quality that I feel that I've taken uh, for advantage a lot of the time because it's not everyone that can see people beyond the lens of, of colour, race and culture and just be able to kind of um, connect with people on the real value of who they are. And um, even as a culture and as society, I feel like we, we, we get we close ourselves off even more and more and more. And the issue of colorism, uh, as I can just say, can can span into very sp different spectrums of not just racism, of all so sorts of diversity issues and interaction and cohesion yeah. within society, just simply because of the fact that uh, our cultures, we don't interact. And as people, we, we're very still very close-minded. I want to direct this question, first of all, to you, Leanne, and, and anyone who's got an answer as well to follow up. I want to move on to now media portrayals of black families. So on television, we've all grown up watching the Cosby shows, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, over here, Desmond's, um, My Wife and Kids. And more recently, uh, the, the programme Black AF came out. And I just wonder if any, if you feel, Leanne, that the, 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 the portrayal of the black family has significantly changed and if that is purposeful, and I've got a Another question as well, but I just want to get your point on the, 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 how TV now serves up black families. 
Um, I don't know that it's particularly shifted. I think you had less representation generally, and now you have more representation, which is a great thing. However, I do think that the idea of respectability politics always plays a role. And I do have to say, I think that this is always more uh, applicable to black women. So even if we're talking about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, we see dark skin Aunt Viv being exchanged for light skin Aunt Viv. And the history behind that is that she was perceived to be more difficult um, to work with and as a result was switched out. And then when we transition to seeing black AF, um, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, that family makeup just doesn't even make sense to me. And it, it seems almost painfully obvious that they've inserted many light skinned <laughs> or, or lighter skinned people in order to make it palatable and make it more mainstream. And I think even for me, as, as someone who runs a platform, um, I'm consciously aware of that representation and how important it is, important it is for it to be balanced. Um, and it, for, for it to be realistic, you know, there are so many shades of black. There are so many types of black women, whether we're talking about dark skinned black disabled women or light skinned uh, black women who are uh, athletes or academics, because we know that, or not we know, but that there is this perception of the pretty brown girl who doesn't have a brain. And so I think, um, yeah, media representation, particularly in terms of how the family is portrayed, is very much aligned for me with respectability politics and presenting the right type of black family. And, and Jeff, let me, let me bring you on this one. Um, I mentioned there black, black AF. And when that first came out, I saw online and amongst some of my friends as well, this real backlash towards um, th th that show and the family. And maybe I misinterpreted this, but it almost felt like from some of the people that I know and what I'm seeing online, is that the biggest kind of gripe with that show was that these people that were watching and complaining had the idea of the perfect black family. And if you're not kind of my skin tone or darker, you can't be the black family. That's, that's not a black family. Is that, is that something that maybe you kind of sensed? Did you, see, did you see a backlash from the black community towards that show? And if so, why? So I wasn't, I wasn't really interested in watching it just because you know, Kenya Barris is the creator of Blackish, and I felt like if we're getting the, if it, it almost felt like the um, Larry David version, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he, you know, he was the creator of Seinfeld, and then he told one of the characters, I think it was George, is loosely based on him. So then he gave his own real life um, improv type show. I was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm really all that interested in it. I, and after watching a few episodes and then talking to a few other people, I think I get the sense that people thought they were getting a different type of show. I think maybe the name threw it off, right? It, it's, you got, it's, it's dry humor. It's that type of humor. And, and it's based roughly, roughly on um, Kenya Barris's life, where people mm. may have been thinking that they were getting some super pro-black, blackity black black show and that's not really what it is so maybe it was the name that threw a lot of people off and then in terms of the actual quality you, you go on twitter that's always going to be divided in the middle right yeah, it's just what it is twitter is the epicenter for irrational debate so you you will always see some type of divide but i think it was more so on 
I won't say it was a misdirection, but maybe a misalignment with what with people who put that perception in their own head of what they thought it was going to be versus what it actually was, where it was more blackish than black as fuck. You know what I mean? So I think that's more so what it is. Now, when you get into all of the the family dynamics and the color dynamics and the fact that it's a mostly lighter skinned family, you get you get that because I do think in terms of that diversity question, I think we see more types of family. I don't know if we see more darker people on TV, which is why I'm gl- I'm so happy that content is global now. So we can get content like I may destroy you or um blood and water on Netflix and I don't got to wait 10 years until a friend from the UK puts me on and then I'm late, right? Like it there's more of a diversification on our end globally where we get to see more parts of the diaspora and those fam- familial ties that we're always going to resonate with. So um Antoinette one for you should we care about rappers that rap and talk about black women in their art, but are not happy to um, build families with that particular community behind closed doors? Yeah, so we have a lot of conversations like this on campus, especially university campuses. Um, And I think it is um, always worth highlighting um, what I call this dual consciousness of black folks. Um, whereas in one hand, we are pro-black, don't put a relaxer in your hair, wear natural hair, love who you are, love the skin you're in. But simultaneously, um, we some, some folks use skin lightening creams and have these preferences that are really just colorism um, for uh, certain skin tones. And especially in the rap community. Um, We see that in terms of lyrics, in terms of lyrics not translating into real life. Um, And so I think it's definitely a conversation that we should have. I hate to be um, totally judgmental um, just just by the fact of, you know, I I hate to be kind of Twitter, team light skin versus team dark skin, all those things that I hate on Twitter. Um, But I do um, call for rappers, writers of television shows, all of that to really recognize um, colorism and the oftentimes a dual consciousness that Black folks have and um, the reality sometimes not uh, meeting um, the things that they put pro-Blackness um, on, say, their Twitter and Facebook. And you really see it now with Black Lives Matter. Um, this, you know, move for black is beautiful, black is powerful, but simultaneously colorism still exists. And even in my work, even as of today, colorism still exists within families and relationships. Does anybody briefly have a, have a, have a response to that? Just should we care? I just want to say that I think um, going back to your point about Bill Cosby and the Cosby show in general, uh, he was one of the first people to actually hire a psychologist to make sure that the representation of black families was accurate or was something that was going to be empowering to the black community. And I think it's not that there is an issue with having a show with lighter skinned families or that that's not the right type of black family. 
But if we acknowledge the history, it's about making sure that there are more shows that represent a wider uh, narrative, and that includes skin tone, um, in order to make sure that the representation is balanced. I think it's it's not just that black at black AF exists; it's that black AF exists in silo as one of the most successful shows without seeing things like um, uh, without seeing different types of families or different types of shows about families being represented. I wanted to ask Jeff. Sorry, the, on on the on the rapper thing. I wonder if you if you have a view on on, on artists that again rap about loving dark skinned black women, but you know <laughs> their reality in their life isn't showing that they love those particular women. Well, you know, first off, if you find a um, prolific amount of rappers who are rapping about dark skinned black women, you point them to me. Cause I'd love to hear what they're talking about. I know there's a few, but that's probably part of the problem, right? Well, here's the thing existentially, from a philo philosophical perspective, should we really care? No, we, should, we shouldn't really care. You love who you love, and that's that. What, what, what just like Jay Z said, what you eat don't make me shit, right? So I shouldn't really care. But when you're in a business, where your reputation and your word and your credibility is the way that you make your money, then yes, your fan base has a right to ask those type of questions. 20 or 30 years ago as a rapper, your authenticity translated directly into your bank account. That's why you had a lot of dudes who really weren't built like that trying to be gangsters because that's what they rapped, trying to be pimps because that's what was in their lyrics. And if any, and if the fans saw that you were living differently, then you'd be jettisoned infinity. Like they kick you out. Like you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't sell anymore. You wouldn't be seen as real. So now you get to this era, and people really don't care. You can see that from the whole Fifty Cent Rick Ross battle. People don't really care about the authenticity. If you're making fire music, you're you're all good. Having said that, it does matter now in the sense of. If you're the type of person you're you're you have all of these pro-black lyrics, you you you're super conscious and all of that, but then you turn around and you're exhibiting actions that are contradictory to what you're rapping. And in this era where there's a heightened sense of consciousness around police brutality, racism, and things that are really affecting black folk where in the globe, not just in the US, on in the globe, where we don't really have time for all of that. There's too many ops, there's too many oppositions, there's too many Trojan horses in our community for us to let certain things slide. So yeah, if you do, if you are talking about I love my dark-skinned black woman and you pop up with a white wife, I don't think it's out of bounds for people to be asking questions like, yo, what's up with that? How do you reconcile with that? Or, or do you still feel certain ways? Can you still have some of those conversations, those tough conversations that you charge um, people outside of our race to have are you having those in your household are you having that with your partner's um family these are the type of things that these are the type of questions that'll come off the bat and and at the end of the day if you if you're loving somebody because that's what that's who you love and that's genuine then that's fine i don't i'm not in the business of policing blackness i think that's something that really brings us down as a community i don't police it but when it comes to your actual authenticity of what you're saying versus what you're doing, yes, it's very 
relevant and very imbalanced to ask those questions. Um, final question to all of you guys, um, and just kind of keep them brief, your answers if you can. Um, a political one. So Kamala Harris, the senator over there in the States, um, has been selected by Joe Biden to run with him. The report, I don't know about in the States, but the reporting over here in the UK is that she's a black lady. And as far as I'm aware, she's of mixed heritage. Mm. Do you think that her complexion is playing or can play a role in engaging the black community? Or are you guys seeing the, the weaponizing of her being a black lady, even though we know she's of mixed heritage, playing a political role in, in pushing his campaign into, into the White House? I'll kick off with you, you Tina. I'm actually just about to uh, I have a piece on this that's going to be published in a few days. So I'll try and just pick up from that. I think we, we do have the, the tendency to always just look at the achievements of any ambitious or successful black woman just for their blackness, which I just find to be a bit ridiculous sometimes because, yes, Biden needs her, but uh, Kamala Harris is, is just also just a very um, accomplished woman. She's an accomplished woman. She's a deserving woman for um, the ticket. And I just feel that when people just really start to envision black women, especially for the fullness of who they are, the the both the diversity, but also the in intersectionality, but also the, the success of what it would have taken a woman from such a background to gracefully uh, serve in every single um, room that she has been called to over the years. So I'm just very much more um, concerned really with just her as a person, her as an individual, her as a, as a woman who, uh, comes and steps into a room with the fullness of everything she is, more so than just kind of um, stripping her of all that and just, you know, putting the burdensome tasks that we love to put on black women to carry the the whole world um, and their back just because of that added layer of of, of heritage. You know, white women sure. don't have to always feel this. And um, Leanne, do you think she would have got this far if she was darker skinned? Um, I hope she would. I do think that, um, you know, she is, regardless of whether or not I agree with her political views is a separate issue, but I think that she has... I'm assuming you don't by that, she, that, that comment there. Um, I, I have, I have some doubts about her authenticity okay, as sorry, it relates to, to some of, uh, based on some of her, 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 uh, the things that she's done in her legal career prior to becoming a politician. Um, so, but I hope so. I do think that there is something to be said for, again, we've talked about the issue of colorism outside of dating. We've talked about it within the context of the workplace. And I can't imagine that that doesn't play a role in politics on some level, but I don't think that's necessarily uh, part of the, I don't know if that's part of Biden's agenda, but I do think in terms of, uh, soliciting the black vote that I can't imagine that it wouldn't be helpful but I don't want to go ahead and say that she's somehow it's her color that has gotten her she is because I have no evidence to support that but if we're speaking along the lines of statistics I can see how it might play a role or might have played a role um first of all Jeff then Antoinette just briefly um over there in the states how how is how is she being reported and is her ethnicity being weaponized to try and you know 
attract the black the black votes. So how is being reported? It's funny. Re all aspects of her ethnicity are being reported here. So when the news reports bro broke, it was the first African or first black woman and the first Asian woman or South Asian woman because she has uh, Indian heritage as well, right? So all those aspects politically are being thrown out. So demographically, you're check she's checking multiple boxes. In terms of weaponizing her for the, from the black vote, I think all candidates know that it's probably a little bit more palatable to have a black running mate. I think Biden knew that from jump. I didn't expect it to be anyone but a black woman. It was just a matter of who. I think aside from her blackness, she has qualifications. She has the qualifications that would make her a good vice president. I think politically, politically, she's going to have some obstacles to overcome both within her community and without. Uh, you're going to have the people that are going to ride with her because she's a sister. You're going to have a lot of people that are going to question some of her politics, like Leanne said, and want to hear the answers that we want to we want to hear. So I, I think actually when you when you talk about the um, you talking about whether her color is going to be weaponized, maybe it maybe it may have been more more appealing to have a lighter skin black woman for white voters as opposed to us. I don't think that would have mattered for us as much. That's something that I'm still coming to grips with now. Like, like would it would like would Obama have got that far if he was darker skinned? Would you know? Yeah. How yeah. would Michelle be received? Because they already starting that birther stuff with with um with Kamala Kamala already because they they already had to confirm that she was eligible to run for <laughs> vice president and president because of her heritage. So it it gets real nasty when it comes to black people in po politics. But in terms of weaponizing, I think both political parties here weaponize blackness in a variety of ways. I don't think that that one was one of them. Um, and just finally, Antoinette, um, uh, Jeff's kind of answered the question I was gonna ask you there, but do you think that there on the, is a spectrum of skin tone shades that Joe Biden has been very, very smart in, in, in his selection of her? If she was too dark, she might have scared away a certain vote, but if she's not dark enough, she won't appeal to the black vote. Is, is, is that a fair um, assertion to make? Or am I being, am I being harsh? Yeah, so we wonder. Um, we wonder if that was part of the conversation. Um, she is my sorority sister, so I'll throw that out there. Um, but I think she is well qualified. Now, again, whether you agree with her politics or not, um, she's well qualified for the position. And so, um, the assumption is she was a darker woman who won um, a state office, who had the, the same qualifications. Um, would Joe Biden have picked her? I think the question perhaps would have been yes. Um, and are there kind of politics going on in terms of how her skin tone is playing out? And I think um, the answer to that question is yes in the States. And in fact, in the black community, um, a lot of conversations, colorism conversations are happening of whether, um, you know, so it's not just kind of the outside, uh, outside group having these conversations, but the black community who she's married to, um, whether she's really black as um, the conversations also happen with um, President Obama. And so um, I think there's, it's kind of still being left to see how this turns out and how the black community is perceiving her.
Um, I know if you turn to Twitter, there is a, a divide for sure um, and assumptions about why and why not Joe Biden selected her. But in my opinion, she's well qualified for, for the job. And if it was someone who was darker skinned with the same qualifications, he would have selected her. And I'll just end with you, uh, Antoinette. Um, I like to kind of try and end the show as where possible with solutions um, and takeaways, affirmations. If we're gonna if we're gonna empower young black boys and girls of all shades to to be very happy, comfortable, and confident in their skin, whatever their tone is, how how big a role do affirmations from their parents and their elders play in trying to empower these young people so they don't grow up with the kinds of um, emotional uh, baggage about how they look. Yeah, so I think it is critical um, for families, family members, um, everyone around um, to have those affirmations, but not just in the conversation, right? So not just saying you're beautiful, but in the actions. And I think that's what the colorism that I see in my research, it's not the words, it's the actions that the, the colorism is happening, right? So it's it's not just the fact that mom says, um, oh, you're beautiful and, and make sure that she um, encourages her, for instance, dark skinned daughter. Um, but it is don't go to the hospital and look at the color of a baby um, and say, oh, I hope that baby is lighter skin. It's those things, the little kid um, that is colorism taking place. And so, yeah, you may have told the little kid that she's beautiful. But in another conversation in a room in a hospital, you're hoping that the baby isn't dark skinned by looking at their fingertips and earlobes, you know? And so I think for families to be cognizant of that and realize that it's not just what you say, it's not just the affirmations, but playing it out um, by the actions that you take with your kids. Antoinette, Jeff, Leanne, and Tina, thank you very much for joining me on It's All Black Academic. I really enjoyed that show. Um, I think it's a really important one and it's a conversation that I'm noticing happening more and more um, within our community. And I, I made the point earlier about the fact that it's not just now us looking and criticizing black people for mixing with people that are not black. It's now within our own community. And I think that's very dangerous. That's kind of why I wanted to have this discussion here. So I really appreciate all of your expertise, opinions and experiences as well. So thank you very much for coming on on the show here today. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already to us, Blackademic TV. Also check out our website, blackademic.com. We're across most of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So go follow us on there. Share, share, share. Comment, let us know what you guys think about this particular topic. Have you had an experience of colorism? Do you see a rise in colorism in particular within the black community? And what do you agree and disagree with from what you heard from our fantastic panelists today? Until next time, take care. Look after the people then. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.